You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 190. We're discussing Dark Phoenix, a mini-review, revisiting Joker, and talking about when this Rise of Skywalker trailer is going to hit. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Batman. Ooh, taking a bit of that heat. Yeah. <laughs> Batman, the goddamn Batman. I don't know. We are back on the pod. The three of us hitting the mics. We've got a lot to talk about this week, including our first ever mini review for Dark Phoenix. This is a movie that most of us skipped over. I finally had a chance to watch this. The boys have watched this. So we thought we'd take a bit of time, not a full review like we usually do for Stars, Marvel, and DC films, but a bit of time at the ep- end of the episode to just run through our general thoughts on X-Men Dark Phoenix, the closing chapter to Fox's X franchise, Fox's Marvel franchise, as it now resides over back with Kevin Feige and the MCU. And we're also going to talk about Joker. You guys heard our review last week. High praise from all four of us at the table. Big shout out to Carlos, who joined us, who welcomed us into the Batcave to review that, to get and immerse ourselves really in the collection, the DC, the Batman collection, to review that film. So if you haven't checked that out and you've seen the film, take a pause, go back and check out our review. We had a ton of fun with it. Like I said, high praise, big recommends from us. And we're also going to touch on Star Wars just just a little bit. There's a bit of rumors going around with regards to when this next trailer is going to drop. It seems about fitting that it's going to come next Monday, but we're going to get into that and speculate maybe what we could see. But, gentlemen, with all that being said, all that coming in just a few minutes, like we always do at the top of these episodes, we got to talk about our weeks in Nerd. What's going on, gentlemen? What's going on with the hunt? <laughs> it's real, man. That game is real. We're coming off Triple Force Friday. We're coming off an intense few weeks of hunting, of steelbooks, action figures, Funko Pops, everything coming at us from Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. And I got to hear all about what you guys have been up to. I'm going to throw it to my man, Troy, first year yeah. son, Jay. Take a back seat just, <laughs> just for a minute. You're going to get some time at the mic in a second here. But Troy, yeah. what is going on, my dude? Oh, guys, listen here. This week in Nerd has been fire. I'm telling <laughs> you. I kicked it off nicely, hit up my comic book shop, finally finished up Powers of X. The conclusion is real. You know, actually, sorry, Powers of 10. I've been saying it wrong this whole time, and now it totally makes sense why the title's called Powers of 10 and House of X. Um, fantastic book. You know, House of X left us on a good note, and Powers of X or Powers of 10 kind of brought it back and gave us that true Hickman form. Oh, and nice. um, oh, I'm just love. I'm loving what's going on with the X-Men. I can't wait to read Dawn of X coming up next. And um, 
I think this is great for anybody that wants to hop in right now. Jonathan Hickman does a great um, job of kind of catching up to speed on these X-Men characters. And if you don't know the specific characters that are going on, you, I mean, it's 2019. You can Google these characters and get the whole power sets and where they've been. But for the, for the main point, though, I mean, the focal points are like, you know, like the Magnetos. You got your Wolverine, um, a little bit of Cyclops, and you obviously got Xavier, you know. So everybody pretty much knows who those characters are. And you got a little bit of Apocalypse in there, too. So... Definitely recommend highly going after uh, Powers of Ten and House of X. So that was my uh, my comic book reads of the week. I think I also did um, Spider-Man, but still not really feeling expensive, so I'm kind of sleeping on it. And I got Miles Morales's latest book, which has the return of the Ultimate Green Goblin. So that's been uh, it's been solid. But uh, moving along to the toys, the yes. figures, that plastic anxiety, it's real. <laughs> yes, it um, yeah, you know what I mean? I went to EB Games, and since I think last year's, I think it was New York Toy Fair or Comic-Con, but they released basically the NECA Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 7-inch scale movie figures and i was like oh i want these things and eb games you could only get it in i guess gamestop is the american one right yeah. we have eb games yeah so you only get the figures over in gamestop in the states and uh, my boy carlos and i we've been you know we've been looking into these figures and he kind of gave me the scoop that eb here is actually getting these figures so i tried pre-ordering it well a while back couldn't get my hands on it they hit stores here at least over on our side um october late september Finally found the four pack. I picked up each one, obviously, from Mike, Donnie, Raph, and Leo. And dude, I'm nice. telling you, like, out of cool. all their turtle figures, these are like the ones to hold on to. Seven inch scale. They look like they really do look like little hot toys. I'm telling you, these things are fantastic. I and this love is them. from the first film, right? First film, man. First oh, film. Man. Yeah. You got That's the good. pizza accessories. You obviously got their, you know, their weapons as well. And just the likeness is on another level. I got to post some pics of these things, but these are just like, you have to take them out of the box. You you just, you look at them in awe. I'm, I'm blown away by these figures. Um, moving on from one nostalgia figure to the next, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, man. Picked up that pink nice. ranger out there, which is looking good. I got her at EB Games. And then I got my hands on the uh, the Green Ranger dual pack with the Pidey. The thing is, he was on sale at Toys R Us. So I, I, I couldn't pass this guy up. So I got my hands on the, the Green Ranger and I gave my daughter actually uh, the putty. So now she has a bad guy to fight with because her <laughs> she has her other little uh, Power Rangers going on. And lastly, to cap it off, <laughs> cap it off, nice. I actually got Captain America. <laughs> got Captain America from EV Games, bro, bro, uh, bro, Thor, build a figure wave. And these things are like cheap. Um, I guess it's like to mention here, these are going to be double packed. Yeah. And I found Iron Man about a day out of Triple Force Friday for I think 24 or 26 bucks, which is pretty cheap for a Marvel Legend. And then I found this cap for I think 22 or 24 bucks with the edge card, of course. Um, you got to get your hands on an edge card. If yeah, you, buy you do. Things, it's platinum totally, member. The, the platinum member. <laughs> living on the edge when you're buying these toys. So, um, yeah, no, that that was it, man. I got the Captain America. I got the Power Rangers. I got the tight, the, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, um, yeah, life is good. I redeemed myself, I feel like, from Force Friday. Because um, Tim <laughs> saved me. If I didn't have Tim with me, I would have pretty much been empty-handed. I only would have had, like, a cow toy. So, uh, now I'm, I'm feeling good. Feeling good, guys. Yeah, man, it, it's yeah. it's looking looking pretty sweet yeah. over in the nice. basement there for you. Yeah, and I've sure. seen some pictures of those Ninja Turtles, the Power Rangers you've thrown up on the Instagram at the Nerd RM, 
And yeah, you're you're cross contaminating here. You're getting all sorts <laughs> of franchises in here, but that's what it's all about, you know. It's yes. about that nostalgia. I love the nostalgia hunt. You're looking at something, Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles. We all love yeah. this stuff. Come on, yeah, man. come on, guys. We all do. Yeah, and nice. I love that you have a little bit of everything in your nerd room. You know, dipping out of the three big franchises that we discuss yeah. here and taking some time to appreciate what's coming from places like NECA. And I believe it's Mattel yeah. that does the Ranger stuff. No, Hasbro. Oh, it's Hasbro. Yeah, yeah. So since Hasbro's taking the line, that's the beauty about these ones is because Hasbro with the Power Rangers line is like a crossbreed between the Marvel Legends articulation and the new, the about 2017, 18, 19 um, Black Series. Nice. So like the waist swivels are a little different than the Marvel Legends, but you still have like the elbow joints that you would get from a Marvel Legends. They're highly articulated, these things. They're great. That's incredible. Yeah. Now, Sanjay, my yes. dude, you are chomping at the bit. It has been a minute <laughs> since we all podcast together. It feels like we did an early recording on Joker, and then Troy and I did a little bit of a bonus episode talking about Triple Forest Rider, breaking that down in detail. It feels like it's been forever since I talked to you. Well, I talked to you every day, but talked to you over <laughs> on the pod here. So what's going on, man? What's look? What's Steelbook's looking like? You know, got any action figures or anything hitting the basement? Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone out in podcast land? Um, yes. How do I follow up Troy? I mean, Troy's just sitting here. He's so smooth. He's like sipping on his Colonel Troy Kentucky bourbon <laughs> <laughs> in a white veneer suit. It's it's uh, it's impressive. Like, Troy's just over here dropping money on his Ninja Turtles. And you guys got, you know, Tim, you got your stuff going on. You come to me. Hey, Sanjay, what's going on this week? Uh, well, um, I read a comic book. There you go. <laughs> no, that's number one, man. Comic book yeah, man. Big. No, uh, yeah. not much actually. I've been pretty, uh, pretty slow. Um, I did pick up, it was on sale, uh, the new Hellboy 2019 movie. Still haven't watched it yet. I just picked it up. Um, kind of interested to see how it goes, if it's any good or not. I've heard bad things, but then again, I heard bad things about Dark Phoenix and spoiler alert, I ended up liking it. So, uh. Not much, you know, going on in my end. Um, I'm super pumped about the Joker, but it's not like there's a ton of stuff to collect with that movie. So there's not like action figures at Walmart that you can pick Joker up or uh, pick up his girlfriend or uh, other characters <laughs> well, in the movie. You were fighting across the images, though, in the DM about the Steelbook release and what they're looking like. They're looking pretty hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Best Buy Steelbook has come out in the U.S. Fortunately, the Canadian uh, one hasn't come out yet for pre-order, but... When it's coming out, you know, I got to I gotta get that. And then hopefully Target comes out with their uh, DC Digibook. You yeah, mean? well, that that's dropping in December, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got to get in for the Christmas season. It um, seems crazy to me that it's going to be out of theaters that quick, especially if film is wow. doing this well at the box office. Yeah, I, I, they probably figured, you know what, we'd probably make more money for Christmas presents, like people buying it as a Christmas present. It could be like... Not that people go out and still buy movies, but those that do, it'll probably be like the hot season one, and then it'll probably be around for Boxing Day or, you know, any sales at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, Joker comes out December 13th. Check it in theaters. Nice. Check it at home. Check it on your phone. Check it in Rome. Check it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what we got to do? We got to do a double feature, uh, Blade Runner 2049 and Ooh. The Joker. Well, okay, what's the significance films. there? There's what's zero. There's zero oh, significance. Okay. They're just They're probably just two of my movies? favorite movies of the year, or nice. for the years they came out in. Yeah. 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 I was Let's actually thinking uh, we could do like a taxi driver and a Joker or something. You know, we got to get we got to get that sophisticated palette. Makes a lot yeah. more sense than what Troy I mean. with his sophisticated drinking palette and Tim's over there 
wine tasting as we speak. He's in a tuxedo. He looks like Bruce Wayne. Hey, man, we take this podcast very seriously. <laughs> there's a drug test. Yeah. Every week there's a drug test. Tim has to collect my urine just to make sure it's clean. Yeah, it's very I don't messy want, process. I don't want that BS on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, me, myself, I have had a ton of fun this week because I took a little trip for Canadian Thanksgiving. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving to all those out there that celebrated. This is what we like to call the real Thanksgiving. <laughs> As opposed to the one that's the border that happens about a month later. But uh, I was over visiting family on the west coast of Canada and I had an opportunity to do a bit of hunting there. One comment, though, Vancouver, not much collectors when it comes to Kijiji. You know, I figured <laughs> I'm there, no shame in my figure game, so I'm going to do a bit of hunting on Kijiji, see what I can find. Literally nothing. Black Series, Marvel Legends, Funko Pops, Pez, type that in, no kickbacks. It's no crazy. way. Yeah. What? I kept thinking something was wrong with the internet when I was <laughs> typing it in. Because I was like, how is no one within the vicinity of... 30, 40 kilometers of where I am, where I was yeah. sitting, have any Black Series for sale. It's crazy compared to even here in Calgary, which has, you know, for the most part, a pretty decent selection from time to time of Marvel oh, Legends, yeah. Black Series, even Funko Pops. I've even found Pez, which is kind of a very niche market. <laughs> and oh, for yeah. it to show up on Kijiji. So it, it's it's funny how different cities are, well, at Pierce, this is kind of my only two tests so far, but I'm running 50-50 <laughs> here on success rates in cities when I'm looking at Kijiji for action figures. So what that led me to was two different things. I've been looking for this Mandalorian pop, Funko Pop. wasn't supposed to be released on Triple Force Friday as I had originally thought. So I said to myself, I've basically burned out everything here in Calgary trying to find this. I said, okay. No figures on Kijiji. Maybe I'll dip into an EB game or two over there. First one I went into, digging through the pops, and I find the four other Mandalorian pops. Ooh. The IG-11, the Cara Dune, and the, I can't even, I don't even know his name, the little monkey-looking dude. And I think, <laughs> oh my god, someone's got here and already taken the Mandalorian pop. You know, bust. So I go to the back and I'm kind of looking through EB Games' massive wall of Funko Pops. Almost impossible to decipher what is what when you're looking at it because there's so many of them. But I finally see a Mandalorian on the shelf. I yank it off. So excited. Box is beat to shit. Mm. <laughs> oh. And so I'm thinking, you know, do I buy it? Just take it home and then I have it and I can upgrade or whatever. No, that's a waste of money. And so I put it back and I look down to my right and they have them all stacked up on the ground, but they're buried. I can't see the front of the box. All I can see is the top. And I look down, boom. Mandalorian, yeah. yank it up. Perfect nice. condition. Dope. Got the little protector case to bring it on the airplane. Got it home. Loving this pop. This is one of my favorite pops, if not my favorite pop I've acquired in the most recent Star Wars stuff. It, it looks great. The detail's awesome. I'm a Funko collector. I'm more of a... Uh, selective Funko collector now as opposed to the all-in type of attitude I took a couple of years ago, which <laughs> isn't great way to collect Funko. I think Funko has to be a, you know, you pick who you're collecting. I do Captain America, I do Darth Vader, and the odd Star Wars pop. So really excited about that. And I have to give a huge shout-out this week to our dude, our main man, Darth oh, Goody. Yeah. He hooked me up. Now, I don't have them in hand yet. But he did put feelers out there for both Troy and I. If you're looking for an exclusive, hit me up. So I slid into the DM and I said, 
dude, if you find that that carbonized Mando and Jet Trooper exclusives down there, I'd be more than willing to pay whatever you want to get them up here. Whatever and you want. Exactly. The next day, uh, he comes with a picture, DMs me. I got the Jet Trooper and the Carbonized Mando for oh. you. They are currently in the mail, so fingers crossed they make it here. But huge shout out to him. I wasn't going to go too deep into this box variant, but I needed that Mando. And the Jet Trooper, it is coming out in the second wave here, but it is a really nice looking figure too. And so I'm super excited because I don't know if we're going to see those exclusives up here in any sort of depth on the shelves. It just doesn't seem like they're coming. But yes, mm-hmm. I got those super pumped, nice. super excited. Big shout out to Darth. It, oh. that's, that's a huge, huge win for me. And I, I can't wait to get them back here in the nerd room. And speaking about Black Series, you know, we had a lot of success last week. Was it last week, Triple Force Friday or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, right? I, I lost uh, sure. feel like track of time. Two weeks, yeah, yeah, two weeks because it came it out the same day as Joker. Yeah. So, yeah, did so we miss Joker wasn't Joker last Friday? Po- was it? Did we miss releasing a podcast? <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I've lost a week somewhere. It's like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. It's like out there in the ether. Yeah, well, it's, it's somewhere. But we had a ton of fun breaking that down. Last week, I guess it was, I had a lot of success, like Troy mentioned here. And. The next wave is coming soon. It's coming early November. I got a first look at a case pack ratio. We were getting that Luke Skywalker Yavin medal ceremony double packed in the case. That is going yes. to be stacked deep. That's coming November. We've got Wedge Antilles, Cara Dune. We've got the Jet Trooper. We've got Janna from The Rise of Skywalker. And we've got a repack Ray and a repacked Sith Trooper. So for those of you who were on the hunt in Triple Force Friday and could not get the Ray, could not get the Sith Trooper, they are coming again. They are going to be deep on the shelves. So do not worry, guys, if you did not grab those. They're coming likely at some sort of discount as we start to see these things stack up. So some more exclusive-looking figures in the second wave with you know Wedge Antilles, Cara Dune from The Mandalorian. That's coming here in about a month's time. So very exciting stuff in the Black Series. And even the Bro Thor wave is starting to show up, starting to hit shelves. Uh, Troy, you hooked me up with the Iron Patriot. That's coming to the Nerd Room here, ASAP. So, guys, Marvel Legends, Black Series, and for me, comic books, back burner for now, but I got to get back into it. I'm super excited to jump into House of X, Power of X. I've got my Marvel Unlimited repaid up for the year so i've resubscribed to that so i gotta get back into comics but it's been all about collecting this week guys and whew, what a week what a week yeah yeah no, loving fantastic man life here now before we get into some of the news here guys in our dead or i keep calling it deadpool or dark phoenix review <laughs> we've got a a fantastic email from a listener here that i'm gonna read out. i'm not gonna read his name here i'm gonna call him mr r he sent this through about the joker review and the reason i want to share this is because it really exemplifies what we wanted to do with this podcast sharing this type of stuff with like-minded individuals so he writes just a quick note to say i just listened to the review this morning after seeing the movie and this is in reference to joker and with all the other reviews of yours i've listened to captain marvel endgame far from home shazam 
He's really got a couple question marks there. We got to get into that. I got to watch that movie, guys. <laughs> he's calling you guys out on that. He's calling me out in particular. <laughs> so he says it enhanced my movie experience after the fact. So after listening to the review, the Joker review, there, your movie review episodes are always balanced and thought provoking with very interesting tangents and backed up with thorough knowledge of comic book of the comic book world that each movie sits in immediately after leaving the theater in Wimbledon, London, England, England, by the way, I found myself looking forward to listening to your review, which is a testament to the quality of content you're producing. I found your podcast just over a year ago as an MCU fan, desperate for quality MCU discussion to engage with. And although I don't share all of your passions, I don't collect yet. I'm saying yet I'm adding that in there beyond the loud little bits and pieces. I've grown to love your weekly hunt updates and the unique input from each of you. So thanks and keep up the good work. And I look forward to next week's pod. Thank wow. you very much, Mr. R that it, it, when I read that and I sent it to the guys, I sent it also to Carlos too, with regard to the joke review, getting stuff like this, it just makes me incredibly happy and enthused to get back at the mic every single week, knowing that there are people out there like you listening to this stuff, engaging with it and enjoying it and sharing your passion with us every single week. So big thank you for that. That that means a lot to us here. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. Like, Mr. R, thank you so much for sending that in. As I said, that's just that's incredible. That's so nice to hear. I'm so happy that people are a listening and uh, b enjoying themselves when they do. Uh, shout out to Wimbledon. Um, <laughs> let me know if you watch tennis. Like, you know, you, you're right there. It's probably just across the street. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Did you watch Wimbledon this year? Let's chat about that in my new podcast called Thirty Love. <laughs> the Sanjay Podcast Empire continues. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, thank you so much for listening and. Uh, Man, as I said, like it's so awesome to like actually really pe- real people are listening, and it's not just all like Russian or Chinese bots that are listening. And uh, that's I why you, Sanjay, it's it's only the Russian and Chinese bots that are attacking your Twitter account. Yeah, <laughs> I can't help it, man. <laughs> A lot of porn bots. oh man no mr r appreciate it man thank you for uh, giving us a chance and listening and you know keeping up with our captain marvel review and you know uh, shazam's coming soon it's gonna be a battle we're gonna roll up our sleeves (laughs) but we're gonna get into it but uh thanks man and wimbledon i you know i went there 2000 i think six back in the day and i saw mary j blige perform over there at the stadium so uh it's it's cool to know that there's you know people over on the other side listening and responding and uh man Love that. Love that place. So uh, shout out to you. Yeah. Big shout out there. Now. So, uh, Troy, when you went to Wimbledon in 2006, were you also there for the tennis? Nope. No tennis. (laughs) No? You're not a tennis guy. I always pictured you as a tennis guy. No, I tried tennis over there, actually. I tried it um, south of London, and I was terrible. I was horrible. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I I stayed away from that. But, um, no. No, you don't well, want me to play tennis. Well, it's the one sport maybe me and you could go out. I'll, I'll lend you a racket. You probably have a racket, but we'll go out and Tim can come out and we'll all, we'll all hit a round. <laughs> why, why do you make the base assumption that Troy has a racket? <laughs> why yeah, wouldn't you have, have a racket? Is there a racket in the base? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because you said tried it. Try golf, man. Well, I don't want to get on my tight woods. That's what we need to do. Yeah, just yeah. use a golf club or something. <laughs> All right, guys. Again, thank you very, very much, Mr. R. There, we appreciate stuff like that. And if you guys ever have feedback out there, you can always email us or hit us up through the website, thenerdroom.net. 
All right, let's jump into the news here, guys, this week. Let's follow up a bit from our Joker review, talking about the box office. Now, Joker, it debuted to, correct me if I'm wrong, about $96 million. So that's higher than even we reported on the Sunday that we recorded. And it's now grossed domestically about $208 million, which is a huge success for something that had a budget of about $55 million. And now this is on pace to outgross solo most of the Phase 1 films from the MCU, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Batman Begins, Logan, Venom. This is domestically, though. But it's on pace to do really good money domestically, which is a huge win from Warner Brothers and now proves that basically DC is their most profitable universe and so it's really exciting to see how well this is doing this picked up another number one at the box office this past weekend adding to its domestic total it had a really minimal drop as well only 42 percent which most of these comic book films are in the range of 55 to 60 percent even the mcu big mcu films see that sort of drop so this is a very minimal drop so people are still going and watching this film and now we're up to about 560 million dollars in worldwide total foreign gross of 350 million dollars so this film is doing absolute gangbusters and now, no guys, china release yes i don't think well, it's gonna get china releases no 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 yeah. so to put up these numbers without china is so impressive Extremely what was impressive. the uh the box office for the opening week 96 million 96 so we had a wager right if i if i got that number on the money my prediction i get to keep sanjay's uh pick then so i can take joker from you did we talk about that off air <laughs> yeah i think so i, I, don't, I, got, I, don't I got 96.5 you so. guys all had a chance to pick it it yeah, went that, uh, number 15 movie. in the draft it was the very last film picked in this year's draft so yeah, it was i, I was. should and I took Shazam over this, by the way. Yeah, there's been a couple of ones that went before this. Even I took It Chapter 2 over this. Like, that just goes to show going into this, no one, not even me, like the most diehard DC fan, thought this film was going to do this kind of numbers. Like, I thought 200 million, I'd be like, yeah, that's that's respectable. 200 million in two weeks? Whew. Shazam was a funny one, though, because coming off the heels of Aquaman, I thought Shazam was going to do pretty big. Definitely a lot bigger than what it did. I think it just, the problem was it just got steamrolled because there was Captain Marvel before it and then uh, Endgame. So like, oh, we're announcing our tickets to be released like the day before Shazam came out, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of took the wind out of its sails. And I think that really affected the box office because if you look at, maybe not your score, Troy, but if you look at the critics score and the audience scores, a lot of people love this film. So I just think it was just a bad release date. It probably should have came out sometime maybe in christmas or in the summertime and it probably would have made like domestically at least 50 60 million more and worldwide maybe even like 100 million more i think yeah. i think wb kind of dropped the ball on this one you know what it should just come out on the uh the dc app straight to the dc app <laughs> oh, let me put it on the big screen <laughs> i cannot wait to review this film. oh man Troy's just throwing so much shade i'm just gonna call you a palm tree <laughs> jeez <laughs> Yeah, the most shady tree in Calgary. A palm yeah. tree. <laughs> Keep calm, stay palm, man. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Now, <laughs> now, we were going to talk about our top five Jokers in film here. But because we're recording this late, I'm going to try to keep this episode a little slimmer. We're actually going to move that to next week. Because we've got a few other news items here in the DC world to tackle. So look forward to our ranking of live action 
Jokers next week. But we've got a couple other exciting DC projects on the horizon here. And one of them that is picking up quite a bit of steam is Matt Reeves' The Batman. Now, we talked a couple weeks ago about Jonah Hill in talks to be one of the main villains of potentially many villains in The Batman. You know, Robert Pattinson's Batman here appears that he is now out. We speculated maybe Mad Hatter, Penguin, Riddler, something like that. He is out, guys. But Zoe Kravitz is in as Selina Kyle, better known as Catwoman, very, very exciting casting here. What are you thinking about this, Sanjay? Zoe Kravitz in, Jonah Hill out. We've got Catwoman. We've got Batman. What is next? Yeah. Well, what's that song? Thank you, next. Who sings that? Um, <laughs> Ariana Grande. Nicki Minaj. No, Ariana Grande sings yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Thank you, next, Jonah Hill. Uh, no, <laughs> apparently he was like requesting nine million dollars to appear in this, and he's not even going to be like the main villain. So I totally get like WB saying like, "No, nah, man, like you're not wor- like you're a great actor. I give you that, but nine million—that that's a lot of money. Considering probably the lead actor is playing Batman isn't getting anywhere near that. It's a Jack so, Nicholson thing, right? Where the absolutely, or, uh, or what's his name more? from uh, Superman Howard? One? Howard uh, and Iron Man. You want more? Terrence Howard and Iron Man. Yeah. Oh, Brandon Marlon? Mar- Marlon Brando, Brando, yeah, in Superman yeah. 1. He got paid, like, a million dollars to say, like, three words. So, <laughs> And call Krypton Krypton. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if he doesn't want to be part of it, that's all right. Um, Zoe Kravitz, though, that's exciting. Um, I'm excited, like, you know, to hear these casting news and hear that this film's going forward. I, I don't know, like, too much. I haven't seen too much of her acting. I think she was in X-Men First Class for a bit. Um, she was in Mad Max Fury Road for a bit. So she's popped up here and there, um, you know, I think it's a great casting. Like, I don't know too much of her acting skills, but just seeing like some fan um, pictures of her as Catwoman and just kind of like seeing her look, she definitely has like the Catwoman look, the Catwoman vibe. So I'm totally down for that. I'm excited to see her, you know, act and become Catwoman. So yeah, let's bring it on. That's it's exciting, man. I'm, I'm totally down for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, to be honest, I'm really not too familiar with her, her work, except for, yeah, like Sanjay mentioned, uh, First Class. I believe she was like the, the butterfly mutant. I, I totally forgot what she was called. And yeah, then there, they killed it. Yeah, and then she's, you know, the voice actress for uh, for MJ in Into the Spider-Verse, which, you know, for what time she had, she was she was cool in that movie. But um, my wife watches, I think it's Big Little Lies or Pretty Little Lies. I think she's in that, and she's meant to be pretty good. But apart from that, I don't know much about her. So, uh like Sonny said, though, she has the look. She definitely has the look to pull on Catwoman. Um, still, for me, man, it's always big shoes to fill when it comes to uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. That's just like, for me, that is Catwoman. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just not disrespect Anne Hathaway, man. She did a good performance as well. Yeah, you already know my thoughts on that one. So I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I don't even, even know why Troy's in this podcast. It's, it should be like the Troy and Sanjay versus episode where you just like rag on everything. Like, I'm going to find something that you beloved. And just like rag on it, be like, oh, I'm sure that'll come up. I'm sure be like, do you know what I really don't like? Nothing, because Troy loves everything that is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Timbo, though, what are you thinking, man? What's your thoughts? Uh, you know, again, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I don't know a ton uh, about her or her work, but I agree. She's got the look. What yeah. excites me most about this is that the progressing and making the effort to cast here, which means this film is actually moving in the right direction. Yes. Once you start signing up people, and I like that they're going with kind of lesser known people. We don't need yeah. big names attached to this film. 
And maybe, again, I'm not sure of her, her depth in acting, but maybe going after more character actors. Like, you, yes. you look at Robert Pattinson. This guy isn't your typical Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. but he's a character actor, right? He's found a lot of success in the indie films, really di- deep diving into the actor, or to the character, sorry. And that's what excites me about this, is that, you know, we've got Matt Reeves at the helm. He's done some good work. And this is this is all positive stuff. So that's what I like to see. And if Jonah Hill, that's that's fine. I think he would have been really good in the role. Mm-hmm. But sure, whatever. They can find someone else. You know, there's a million actors out there, and they just got to find the right person for the right role in here. And it didn't work out. So yeah, that's what that's what I'm liking about this. Is, is seeing a lot of positivity roll out of this and kind of the momentum build behind it. And this is goes to the next thing we're going to talk about here is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Now, this yeah. film is actively filming at this point. Mm-hmm. We've got some set photos. And, man, does this ever look like a James Gunn film. <laughs> <laughs> looks wild. Like, absolutely yeah. wild. If you guys haven't seen the set photos, just type in the Suicide Squad into Google, set photos, and you'll see what we're talking about here. Now, if you remember back to Suicide Squad, that was the first image that came out of there was really tonally dark. Mm-hmm. This stuff is as bright as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. We're getting the extreme end of D- DC characters in here, and some of these characters look like they walked off the set of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 straight <laughs> into the Suicide Squad. So James Gunn <laughs> seems to be taking this franchise in a completely different direction. Now, some of these characters here... I, we had to dig deep here. I had to ask you guys who these people like. I have no idea <laughs> me who these characters are. <laughs> I guess one of these guys, he's got this bright, long gold hair, blue and yellow outfit. He's the javelin. There's the, a woman here who I said again looks like the, off the set of Guardians of the Galaxy, I think called the Mongol. We've oh, got Mongal. Na- Mongal. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. We've got Nathan so- Fillion dressed up in this goofy looking, almost football attire. <laughs> it's and you've and then you've got Pete Davidson who looks like a mercenary. You've got what's his name, Boomerang dude. Uh, oh Captain yeah, Boomerang. Jai Courtney. Yeah, Jai Courtney, Captain Boomerang. Got Sean Gunn here in a mocap suit. You know he did all the work for Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, and, and this one and, he's supposed to be a werewolf. A werewolf. So yeah. <laughs> this is this is crazy. No no sight here. I don't think of anyone any of the big characters. So when you're talking about Idris Elba. Or what's his name that played? Or Harley Quinn is another one, and then the guy that played Rick Flag. No sign of these guys, but you know, Jai Courtney is the only returning cast member that we're seeing here. But my opinion, these like guys look like pretty hilarious cannon fodder for this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they're the uh, what's it? The Star Trek red shirts? Yeah, no, the red shirts. I think are the important ones, aren't they? I, I thought they were the ones that got killed. No, because isn't Mister no Sulu one of the red shirts? I thought red shirts were like important. Uh, you guys go back to your Star Wars. You don't know anything about <laughs> Star Trek. You're like, but, when's Yoda showing up? Yeah, right? Uh, but deep dive, though, into Suicide oh, Squad, yeah. here James Gunn's doing. Like, he's going deep into the comics, reaching, pulling out random characters. Sanjay, yeah. are you, do you like the direction this appears to be going? Um, to be honest, I actually really dug, like, the David Ayer Suicide Squad. Like, the aesthetic, the griminess to it. Like, it was very, like, dark, and it had elements of horror in it. This one here is totally, as you said, like Guardians of the Galaxy or something that's way more lighthearted. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment until I see a trailer or see the movie. To be honest with you, if that's the tone he wants, I'm all for directors getting a chance to do the movie that they want. So if he wants to do a lighthearted tone, I'm there for it. 
there's going to be a ton more deaths in this one. You know, there's not going to be one Slipknot where clearly he was, you know, set up to die from the very first <laughs> shot of the film. So <laughs> this one, I think like half the people are going to bite it. And, and that's kind of what Suicide Squad is. And that's why, you know, these are all like D-list villains because if they bite it, well, it doesn't really care, right? You can't have, you know, Black Manta getting killed off or Mr. Freeze getting killed off. So I, I'm totally digging it and uh, looks interesting, looks cool. It looks like a hell of a ride, so I'm totally there for it. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this looks funny. Um, the colors are cool. I I, I kind of like the tone we're getting here so far. Um, you got like the the goose the Gooster Gooster Gold. <laughs> I was gonna say Brewster Gold and Nightwing. Sorry, grabs Brewster Gold and Nightwing. Um, kind of looks like uh, the Javelin guy. And then we have I thought um the girl for a second was um, Starfire. I'm glad it's not, but for a quick second, mm-hmm. I thought it was like Starfire. And then is the guy in the green, is he Sportsmaster? Is it Sportsmaster? That's, um, uh, what's his name in Young Justice? The dad. Oh, yeah. Sportsmaster? Um, that would be really cool. But what I'm hearing, like Nathan Fillion's character? Mm-hmm. With, like, yeah. yeah. I'm hearing he's arm fall off boy. So like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not even shitting you. It's wow. uh it's a character where he can take his arms off and I don't know what he does with it, but uh, yeah, so James well, Gunn's going to have a lot of fun with that character. That's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. agree with you guys. I think, you know, this is again, a James Gunn film, so it's going to have some real James Gunn elements to it. And this looks like it's that we've always cautioned against James Gunn coming onto this project that it just can't be, a slightly different spin on Suicide Squad, but really bringing the aesthetic of Guardians to it. It has to be something a little different. So yep. again, I'm, I'm with you. I'm intrigued. This looks like it's going to be funny. It looks like it's going to be great. Taking a character like Nathan Fillion and likely killing him off in the first <laughs> you know, 10 minutes of the film, you know, that, mm. that to me speaks volumes as to what James Gunn is going to do with this. And I'm really digging it here. So wait and see on this one. But it's exciting to see we're actually getting the filming. Because, you know, for me as a big MCU fan, one thing I'm excited about is the fact that this means that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to start filming, you know, not soon, but sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more thing about this. Um, it's actually, I heard it's going to be rated R. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So there will be tons of violence, tons of graphic deaths and all that fun stuff gratuitous deaths and violence is going to cause exactly. massive outrage and riots across cities, banning of theaters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rated R, man. DC That's the future film. of DC films. Yeah. We're looking yeah, that the, way. Yeah, Possibly. totally. Yeah. <laughs> now, guys, let's let's skip over to the opposite end of the spectrum here into the MCU. Now, like we have mentioned in the last couple of weeks, it's been probably the biggest lull we've had in major MCU news. You know, we've got the Disney Plus stuff coming sooner rather than later. We're going to see some, some of that starting to film here soon. We've got Black Widow really kind of beating down on us here. We're, we're due for a trailer probably before the end of the year for that film. But in the meantime, my main dude, my hero, Kevin Feige, he's doing some, some big work over here. He's been promoted within the Disney slash Marvel world to chief creative officer. Now, what this means, this isn't just any title. What this means is he is now the president of Marvel Studios, looking after the film and Disney+. Plus. But now he has under his watch television, animation, and comic books, mm. which is very interesting that you've taken someone like Kevin Feige. You know, 
He's seen a ton of success in the film world. And like I said, I'm being serious when I look at this guy and say, you know, he started his his career as a nothing. And by 33, he was the president of what is now the biggest, one of the biggest and most bankable studios on the freaking planet. Now, he's in charge of a lot of stuff now. Now, do you guys think that there's any worry to the idea that he is now in charge of all this and that the creativity and the direction of these really gets narrowed down. Do you think that we're going to see any of that? Or is this, like I said, is this just a title to say that Kevin Feige has some creative influence as opposed to control over maybe the comics is the one I'm really poking at here because television and animation, he's basically there with Disney plus as they kind of shudder a few things around and really focus the efforts down to Disney plus, you know, do you think Troy, do you think there's any risk here of Kevin Feige being in too much control of too much of Marvel? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm, I, I will admit I'm a little worried about this one. I like the fact that, you know, obviously he's doing movies, he's doing television, even doing star Wars. Um, but he's doing a lot. And I think one of the strong points about Kevin Feige is when you look at Kevin Feige, it's, well, it's two things. It's the vision that he brings to a franchise, and it's the um, the heart and soul that he puts into it, right? The fine crafting, the detail, and when he's spread so thin across the board, kind of worrying. I know he has a team built around him now over these years, you know, over, what, 22-plus films or whatever. So I know the team is strong, but the focus might be spread out a little bit. And the comic book thing worries me a little bit, too. It could be kind of cool. Maybe he could bring comic books into a new place we've never even dreamed of you know, with the eye that he had for the MCU, but comic books and film are completely different at the same oh, yeah. time. So, I mean, I mean, if he's going to bring my boy, you know, Jonathan Hickman and have him run Marvel, then by all means that I'm cool with that because <laughs> I've been saying like, you know, for a little while now, Jonathan Hickman kind of has like the blueprint for the Marvel universe. You can go and read fantastic four X-Men and uh, the Avengers, obviously. And you can get like kind of a, a cool kind of story out of those, those big, big uh comic books kind of like the fundamentals of marvel in, in, in a sense but um going back to feige yeah man this worries me uh he, he's i mean i know he's a comic book nerd like us and you know he's on another level but the comic books are, on a whole him driving that force i just don't know if i can get back towards that um i don't know if he's going to try and have like mcu movies you know kind of streamlined through comic books Kind of like what the Star Wars franchise has been doing, you know, basically having everything canon where you have like your books, your comics, and then the movies. Mm -hmm. You still have your 616 universe, but if he's going to build like an MCU universe that's also being streamlined through the comic books to attach to the movies, kind of worried about that kind of stuff. I don't know if he's going to go that route, but ah, I don't know, man. This isn't the this isn't the crazy news that I'm jumping up and down for, I got to no. say. Yeah, no. Sonny, what's your take on this? Kevin Feige taking this this much bigger role, much bigger creative role over at Marvel. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Troy, for once. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no denying the man's successful. Like all his movies, the MCU, everything that he touches turns to gold. Um, but, you know, him being in control of the comics, you know, is this going to be like another extension of the MCU? Is he going to not promote characters that aren't in the MCU? So it'll just kind of be... You're reading stories now about the MCU, so characters like um, I can't even think of any like Spider-Man or like Venom. Maybe they won't be as prominent anymore. Um, or other people like I'm trying to think of who is not in the MCU. Everyone kind of is now, but Say uh, Namor. Yeah, yeah, Namor, right? Yeah. So that's you know not that I read Marvel, but I, I do like would like to dabble once in a while, and uh, just just don't want it to be all the same. Hopefully, you know the big problem with. Um, 
DC's New 52 is everything was kind of the same. You know, you had kind of had the same tone for Teen Titans as you did for Justice League Dark, and then it didn't really work, and then Rebirth kind of fixed that. So I hope we just don't get the same tone. I hope like a Ghost Rider comic is vastly different than an Ant-Man comic, than a Captain America comic. So I'll have to wait and see. I'm sure there'll be another relaunch when uh, he finally takes over and they'll start again at one. So there'll be a big <laughs> event promoting that. So, but uh might not be a bad jumping on point when he does uh, officially become head-on. And the animation, um, that's interesting because Marvel used to make a ton of cool animated films. Um, I think they were like through Sony, but uh, like the Avengers, Ultimate Avengers, Ultimate Avengers 2, and then like, they meet up with Black Panther. That was super cool. Yeah. And then they kind of stopped. Um, DC's kind of the only one that puts out the animated films. So I would love if Marvel would put more out. I know they're doing the What If series, but I'd like to see like more, uh, at least once a year, one animated film. I agree. Yeah. And I think you might. And, you know, when I look at this, too, I share some of the same opinions, you guys, and the same kind of general worries about, you know, creativity being more narrowly focused. And uh, my opinion here, though, is that, you know, film, television, animation, that's essentially under him right now. Uh, Maybe not from the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, but my guess is you're going to see a lot of that move away from network television and really end up on Disney Plus or Hulu. So he's more or less controlling that from an MCU perspective anyways. And the animation, like you said, Sanjay, they're dipping the toe into what if. And so if that's successful, they're going to expand from there. So that seems like a natural transition. The one that really sticks out, like you guys pointed out, is the comics. It seems to me, this is, again, an interpretation, that the comics always need to be somewhat separate from the MCU. We've seen the influence work itself into the comics from the MCU and the success there already. What we don't want is essentially the MCU to really, or Kevin Feige to really narrow that focus down to comics, to being more of a streamlined story. We want these stories that are kind of going all over the place that do coalesce into big events at some point down the road, but we want to have these stories told. And I think Marvel benefits from that, or the MCU benefits from that, because when you let these guys you know, Jonathan Hickman, Nick Spencer, and that really work on their own thing. That really brings new and different elements that they can try in the MCU. New characters. Mm-hmm. You look at the influence, even in the last couple of years, of comics on the MCU, even going back to even as late as 2008, 2006, Civil War and all that. So those comic books aren't that old, and they are already have been adapted to screen. So he needs to let that almost kind of creative minds really work at things over there pound through different ideas and concepts and my opinion Feige's going to be equivalent to an ep an executive producer over at the comic worlds where he does have some i'm going to say influence but not really creative control over what they're doing they still have you know these individuals joe casada and that that are the lead for marvel comic creative and that, to me, he's going to lead them to their own vices, but maybe bring a bit of the grosser vision. This is the same thing that we talked about with Star Wars. I don't think he's going to be down in the trenches, you know, telling people what to do. It's about the grander vision of things and that influence that he does bring over from the MCU. And Troy, like you said, diluting this guy too much, you're going to lose what's special about him. Mm. And, you know, between Star Wars, this, that, and the other thing, you know, I don't want the MCU to suffer. Right, because he's trying to focus on so many other things. So very interesting to see what they're doing here. But we want to maintain the idea of diversity in storytelling across the board. But yes. I do like your idea, but also share your concern with, okay, does the MCU start to get comics and books and all this kind of stuff? 
And then we end up with this massive dilution the same way we're feeling with stars right now where we yeah. have so many stories, so much canon to keep up with that it's just impossible unless you're solely dedicated to that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on this one. I think, I think it's interesting. It, it might just be a title. And yeah. just mm-hmm. a way for Disney to say, hey, look, Marvel is under the control of the guy we all wanted under control. You know what I mean? <laughs> so let, let's see let's see how this develops. We'll see how That's Marvel true. Comics changes. If you're going to see a big step change, it's not going to be immediate. It's going to be over a long period of time. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, there's other people here in line to, to keep the creativity kind of really stewing over at Marvel Comics. So it, it's, it's interesting stuff. And Kevin Feige, like I said, my dude. But we'll see on this one, and we'll be, I'll say, cautiously optimistic about it. Now, guys, before we head over to Dark Phoenix, let's take a brief moment to talk about the rise of Skywalker here. Nothing really new to report with the exception of Black Series Rebels. It's a podcast. Go check them out. They have been reporting for a while that Monday, October 21st is the date we're going to see the release of the final Rise of Skywalker trailer, as well as the tickets now, if we go all the way back to 2015, The Force Awakens dropped on a very, very similar Monday, Monday Night Football. Tickets went on sale, and that just so happened to be the same night as the Canadian federal election in 2015. And this coming Monday, October 21st, is also a Canadian federal election after the four-year Ooh. term. So there's a lot of commonality there, guys, that we could be yeah. getting a trailer and the tickets both on the federal election nights here. So this, you know, going with trends, we saw the last Jedi trailer about a week before this, you know, we're well into this week. So likely case, I guess, October 21st, are you guys ready for another rise of Skywalker trail? The final one before the big build into December's <clears throat> release. You know what? I'm actually going to skip this one. Uh, yeah. I'm, you know, when I went into, some other films earlier this year without seeing any trailers very much, you know, I was, you know, I was blown away. I didn't want anything spoiled. This one here, you know, I may try to do the same thing. I mean, it, it's going to be a little bit difficult when you guys start talking about it on the pod. <laughs> you have that, that tune out of Star Wars thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just play all like Shazam highlights in my head. So it's nonstop. Um, so I, I actually might skip this because I'm already going to see it. I'm already going to see it opening day with you, probably sitting in between you and Troy while you guys fanboy over me and spill my popcorn. So uh... yeah, I got to hold Troy's hand, man. I, I can't, yeah. I can't yeah. have that. <laughs> so I'm already going to see it. So no, I don't I don't need to see it. Like, okay. I want to be surprised. Okay, Troy, are you going to watch this one? Oh, I'm going to watch it like many, many, many times. Yes. <laughs> Hoping we get that, you know, that, uh, I don't know, kind of like play a little tribute to the Force Awakens trailer. I want to see Finn pick up that lightsaber one more time. Yes. Redemption for Finn. It's not going to happen, but um, I'm excited, man. I, I want to see what we're going to get, what kind of cliffhanger they're going to leave us on. You know, we got Palpatine in the last one. We got um, Ray, the Darth Ray, the evil Ray. We don't know. Are we going to get one more surprise? Who knows? We have to. We have, have to. to right? Yeah. Could it be Anakin? Oh. Could it be Skywalker? Or, Who knows? Like, could it be just Vader breathing? I don't know. Yeah. Ooh, right. Something oh. like that. It's, it's going to oh. be crazy. I used to employ this idea, this concept of not watching the last trailer. Yeah. And walking into a film, not blind, but with less knowledge. But the podcast, my fandom really broke that. <laughs> and so I'm for <laughs> sure going to be watching this trailer. And I'm going to be scrambling afterwards. What this means is I got to take final tally on the amount of tickets that we're going to buy oh, yeah. for mm. this film. 
And we're considering doing it up at the nice big Lazy Boys. So a little bit closer to Sanjay, but I got to get everyone on board for that. But yes, super excited about this. Are you going to dress up this year? What's that? Dress up? Yeah. T-shirt. Nerd Room Podcast t-shirt, maybe. And and (laughs) jeans or whatever. That's that's nice. But you have to dress up for this one, right? Like Chewbacca again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wear the tank top. Um, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, look, we're looking forward to that. And if that does pop up, we will be discussing and breaking that down in a ton of detail next week on the pod. But until then, until we get another trailer, we're going to spend some time here, guys, talking about X-Men Dark Phoenix. We're calling this a mini review because unlike other reviews that we do on the podcast, this isn't a whole episode. And we're going to be touching just on some general highlights and lowlights of the film itself not going into the same sort of depth and detail that we usually do now this film came out i don't even know when it debuted it debuted i believe in june or july of this year i believe in june june 7th yeah sounds about right yeah so this is the last film in the fox x-men franchise which goes all the way back to the year 2000 and spans 12 films if you include Deadpool 1 and 2 as well as Logan. So this franchise has been around almost as long as modern day comic book film. And we saw them do this soft reboot with X-Men First Class in 2011. And then they slowly crossed this back over with the original franchise that, like I said, debuted in 2000 and ended with X-Men Last Stands in 2006. But we've now seen this kind of really come together. And we're now, I guess, what, four films into this new X-Team with Mm. James McAvoy, with Michael Fassbender, and now mm-hmm. picking up with the with Jennifer Lawrence and these type of characters and really kind of getting this new relook at characters like Cyclops and Storm Beast. So this this franchise has been around for as long as modern comic book film and it's had a huge influence on me as far as going back and enjoying. These are some of the first films from the original X-Men franchise that I remember watching in theaters. Like I, re- I remember seeing the first X-Men and then even First Class, X-Men Apocalypse, Days of Future Brass is one of the best X-Men films in this franchise. Yeah, absolutely. So yep. what are you guys just general thoughts on the X franchise and kind of some general thoughts on, on some feelings about, you know, closing out with, with Dark Phoenix here? Sanjay, I'm going to toss it to you first. Yeah, um, the X franchise, um, if you know me, it's, it's one of my favorite franchises. Um, it's going to go down as... One of the best. I, I think, you know, it started the whole comic book um, resurgence with X-Men 1. Um, but it's kind of been like hit or miss for me. Um, for, for some reason, I missed a lot of these in theaters. Like, I ended up seeing them on home video. So, like the MCU, I've seen like 99% of those. At DC, I've seen all those in theaters. But this one, I missed a ton. So, you know, a lot of times it was going back and trying to rewatch it. So I didn't actually get that first viewing with the big screen, with the nice sound and everything. But... Uh, no, I, I really dug the X franchise. It tried something different. It was a little bit, I think, in between at times what DC brings and what Marvel brings, kind of like that darkness. And of course, with Logan, it was on the far side of like being extreme. And uh, I really dug it. Dark Phoenix, seeing it go out with a whimper, kind of hurt. Um, you know, I really wish that this film would have went out with like a Logan or with a Days of Future Past. But you don't always get to write your endings. And um, no, they certainly this didn't. film. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> this film, you know, I think this film holds up better as a standalone film, but when you start bringing in the rest of like the X-Men continuity, it kind of falls apart. Um, I we'll, we'll get into that, but uh, overall, you know, I really, really dug the franchise, and I actually think like it'll be a good, good first franchise to show people that haven't like you know young kids growing up. Like I might show um, my daughters when they're of age um, the X Men films kind of as first because it's self contained. You know, there's not like twenty three films or like however many DC has by then. So it's gonna be one of the first ones I show my kids. Maybe not Logan. I'll wait for that one until a little bit older. But uh, the rest of them, absolutely, I'll show them. There you go. Now, Troy, how are you feeling about the X franchise here? And like Sanjay said, kind of going out with maybe potentially, depending on your opinion here, a little bit of a whimper. Yeah, I agree with Sanjay a lot on this one. You know, I had some highs and lows with the franchise. Uh, you know, I was a big believer in X-Men 1 and 2. And, you know, um, I, I didn't mind the Wolverine. And then, you know, Logan... I get it. I get why people like that film. And then Deadpool, you know, <laughs> Deadpool was fantastic. And oh, mm-hmm. Days of Future Past, all right. First class, Days of Future Past, those two right there for me are gems in this yeah, franchise. Agreed. Some of the yeah, best oh, yeah. comic book hero uh, films out there. And um, absolutely love what they did. I really think they struck gold with that one. And they just never could find their footing since, since those two films. And it's, it's unfortunate to see the franchise kind of go out like this, you know, being in that theater and seeing like six people, it was kind of sad as opposed to, you know, when I'm seeing Mm X one and X two, even X three, you know, the theater was packed. Um, So that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And like you said, you can't always write your, you know, your, your end. Um, (laughs) But going forward, I am absolutely looking forward to see where these mutants end up and where the X-Men goes. So, yeah, man. Uh you know, you brought up Days of Future Past. The one thing I always was surprised is how little these films made in the box office compar- comparatively. Like Days of Future Past, we all love it. We think it's a fantastic film. Yeah. And you look back, it made like as much as like Suicide Squad at the box office. Not and even, like, man, it's yeah, made, it made two hundred thirty-three million dollars domestically. Joker's gonna outgross that. Like wow. that's it. And like worldwide, it made like seven hundred, I think seven fifty. But even then, like that that film should have been a billion dollar film should have made 300 400 million in north america so i don't know what it was but you know great films but they didn't connect with the audience as much as the mcu and you know even as much as the dc universe has so it's very interesting that they're kind of just stuck in the middle especially that year because that year was awesome Mm -hmm. captain america winter soldier yeah amazing spider-man 2 which is horrible (laughs) And Days of Future Past, and it's funny that even as bad as Amazing Spider-Man was, it did way better than. I mean, Guardians that year too. Oh yeah, that was a fantastic year. Yeah, Yeah. shoot, yeah, it's pretty wild. I sit there with you guys too. Like I said at the top, there is that I grew up with this franchise. This franchise Mm -hmm. has been around as long as as any other franchise, and probably the longest running franchise as it comes to an end here in 2019. You know, we're talking about a 20-year franchise here with a dozen films. So it's been around mm-hmm. as about twice as long as the MCU, which is crazy when you put that into perspective. And even looking at the box office total for Dark Phoenix, this is by far the lowest grossing, only making $65 million domestically. <sighs> this is a moderate opening weekend for modern comic book movies today. This would be considered, outside of some of your, your smaller things like Ant-Man and that, you know, pun intended, that would be considered somewhat of a miss for oh a huge bomb yeah and to see this this franchise really go out this way it did it did break my heart a bit i had zero expectations 
for this film. You know, to me, this franchise really took one of the final stakes with X-Men Apocalypse. I was not a mm. huge fan of that. And I agree with you. Ending on something like Logan, Days of Future Past, probably would have been the way to go. But of course, Fox, as, as a company, had to continue to lean on this franchise. It basically leaned on this franchise to death in, in mm-hmm. some capacity here. You know, we're seeing it kind of really die out here with Dark Phoenix. And the overall reception of this franchise really post-Logan has been very, very poor. You know, you look at Logan, it was the first comic book movie film to get an Oscar nomination. I believe it was for Best Original or Adapted Screenplay, I believe. Yes, um, yes, that's which, right. Which was huge when you look at that. And so to see this uh, film like Dark Phoenix, you know, the reception on this was was really low, like 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, Ooh. just using that as a barometer. And I think, Sanjay, you kind of really nailed most people's feelings. You know, a lot of it is just that nostalgia, people going in to finish off this franchise. Mm-hmm. And your initial review on this that we did have a good chuckle was, I didn't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> much negativity, yeah. And But I, I'd agree with you. I went into this with like, you know, floor like bottom of the barrel low expectations but you know spoiler alert here i did find myself enjoying pieces of it i wanted Mm -hmm. to watch this film through i never got the feeling that i wanted to turn it off and whether that's nostalgia speaking me wanting to see through this 20 year franchise (laughs) to the end i don't know what that was but there are some definite brighter spots in the film and there are some pieces that just feel like it was cobbled together at the last minute. And maybe it was. You know, this is Simon Kinberg. He comes off. He's a producer in the Fox franchise, Marvel franchise world. He produces Star Wars films. Oh, uh, really? This was his first. This is, I believe, his directorial debut. This film was really plagued with rewrites, you know, conflicting with Captain Marvel. The villains kind of getting a bit muddled here. So th- there's a lot, I think, that, you know, you can maybe point the finger as to why this film didn't do that well at the box office. But I think more so than anything is just people were burned out with this franchise. They had had enough. They were ready for it to go back to the MCU. And it was just pure fatigue. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely played a part. If Fox hadn't been sold to Disney, I think, you know, people probably would have gave this more of a chance because i think a lot of times you said people were fatigued because it kind of got to the point of like well what's the point you know if you're going to see it you're going to see it out but they're not going to continue the story you know and this was probably made with the promise that oh yeah this will be like the first and then we'll do like one set in the 2000s you know because they kept changing decades And, and because like this was it it was just like okay you know we could see it but like I think Endgame was out at the time or like Spider-Man Far From Home was out at the time. So it was like, I could see it or I could continue with the MCU. And I think people made their choice pretty clear. Yeah, very, very clear. Now, guys, we're going to get into, I guess, the spoiler section for this mini review. So if you've not seen Dark Phoenix and you have any desire to go see it. (laughs) Don't listen to Troy. Negative Troy. Take a pause here and come back when you have seen the film. Or if you have no plans on seeing it, listen through and see if we can convince you one way or another. Now, we're not going to go through this in kind of chronological order like we normally do here. But I want to talk about the story in general. You know, when we look back at all the films we reviewed, even Joker, that had a really powerful story, really well-written character there. And you go to Endgame, Far From Home, yes, part of a much bigger franchise. But there seem to have been 
direction within the story. This is the one thing that I think I really lacked when I was watching this film. I was watching the characters, but to me, the story, it never felt like there's any stakes. Some of the characters were enjoyable, but the relationships all felt really forced. And even those relationships were used to justify some of the narrative decisions. The idea behind emotions are my strength. I never felt really emotional or a connection between any characters or the characters in myself. So again, I'm watching the film happen, but I'm not connecting with really much as the film progresses. I'm not, there's, to me, there's no stakes. I kind of know where this is going. We're going to pick up Magneto along the way. Yeah. And we're going to go and have some fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Troy, what did you think about kind of the direction here they took as far as, as story goes? You know, oh. did you see a story in here? Was there any real direction? Listen, man, I didn't I didn't see a story. I didn't see characters. <laughs> I didn't even see the X-Men. The X-Men weren't even present. The only person that was present was Magneto himself. Um, this movie starts off with humans loving the X-Men, the mutants. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We should we should we should never not see that moment happen on film. We don't even get a chance to see that moment happen. It's just presented to us. You know, you read these X Men comics for years and years, waiting for the moment that mankind and mutant kind come together, and that moment happens, but it's off film. We don't even get to see it. Um, the characters aren't there. You know, when you go back to because you're talking about characters, uh, you go back to X Men one and two. Wolverine is very present. That feels like Wolverine. Mm -hmm. You go to X two. Nightcrawler, that's Nightcrawler. Um, Iceman, Days of Future Past. Charles Xavier throughout the whole franchise, played by both actors. The, the characters have always been present. Here, none of these characters feel like their counterparts. You know, if you watch the cartoons, the, the comic books, or, or watch any of the movies prior to Apocalypse, nobody feels like themselves. So for you to have those relationships work together, it does feel forced because nobody's even acting like who they should be acting as. They're all a bunch of scrolls. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, that's 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 my take on that interaction. The direction um, felt feels very rewritten. Um, it feels like chunky, like they had a vision for one thing and they cut it out and did something else, which we all know of with uh, with the scrolls meant to be in the film and is meant to be more sci-fi centric, which obviously got cut out big time yeah, because the more movie cosmic, takes place most, more mm -hmm. cosmic, right? And they, and they they completely changed that. Um, yeah, man. I mean, the power sets were cool though. The powers look good. Yeah, when yeah. they use them. <laughs> when they yeah yeah <laughs> when they use them. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, just the, the relationships because with the X Men, it's so important seeing the relationships. Whether yes, it's Scott, Jean, Colossus, and Kitty, it's huge, right? Xavier and Magneto, all that stuff is, is it's it's so important. And you know, take that away from the comic books. What they've done with this new franchise going into um, first class, they for some reason, you know, it's all good for whatever reason they decide to make um, Mystique. And Charles very close. And mm -hmm. they've established that in the first one a little bit in Days of Future Past. And even Apocalypse somewhat. They kind of got away from it. But here, the relationship does not make any sense whatsoever. They're, they're at each other's throats the whole time. And I just like everything you guys built up in the last couple of films, you've demolished it completely here. Jennifer Lawrence's performance is about as wooden as it gets. And she's a fantastic actress. I just don't know what movie she was acting in in this film. So. <laughs> well, and I think before we get Sanjay's input here, just more to your point, Troy, about the overall direction in that, you know, I got the feeling that there was a real heavy reliance on audience, audience acceptance and leaps. You know, mm -hmm. Marvel and the MCU and even DC to this point 
has earned the right to to accept or to make leaps in their films. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no exposition in here. There's no details or laying any sort of groundwork. And so when you're targeting an MCU style of audience, you know, that's who they're pointing at saying, look, guys, we've been around for 20 years. You guys know everything about this. And yeah. we're kind of dropped in the deep end of it. And you're thinking like, wait, what about that? What about this relationship? Like, why are you mad? And why are you now shaking the president's hand? It just, there's, there's nothing there. There's a bit of, you know, tiny quips and exposition around that helps yeah. try to lay some groundwork. But it's mm-hmm. like they missed the first 10, 15 minutes of the film yeah. where they're trying to catch you up from whatever it was, the mid 80s into the mid 90s. Yes. You know, there's a huge gap there in story. You know, they're assuming we're invested in the characters and the story. And I think that mm-hmm. was one of the mistakes is they just jumped into this film like it was chapter 12 of the MCU where we yes. are already heavily invested and we've seen these films really develop in a short amount of time, we've had a lot of big gaps between this and we're talking about decades difference in characters and no growth actually demonstrated whatsoever. And exactly. so I think that was one of the bigger mistakes is the assumption that we're viewing this through the perspective of the MCU. Right. And you mm-hmm. don't need to do that legwork as a scriptwriter, as someone that's bringing a film to screen where you're now assuming the audience knows everything and not just kind of telling them what's going on. This goes when we're talking about the villain too. I have no freaking idea. Like I get the concept of it, like maybe a scroll, but yeah. like, like where, like I don't, like that's the big problem. And even the Phoenix force too, mm-hmm. you know, we're in space. All of a sudden the Phoenix force is here. It's really powerful. Boom, boom, boom. You remember this from X3 guys, right? It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry yeah. about it. We don't need to explain anything. <laughs> that's, right. that's a lot of what this film does. And maybe that goes to the script. Maybe that goes to how it was, cut up right i lose any sort of foundation in this film even 10 minutes of building up even like you said the difference between uh jennifer lawrence's mystique and jane mcavoy's professor x and showing the heat between the two of them and not just saying hey there's heat between the two of them you know what i mean so sanjay what's your thoughts here on this film and you know i always say this i find myself getting quite wound up as we talk about these things i, I did enjoy parts of this film we will get yeah. to those <laughs> oh yeah um well, i i just think like they try to continue with the decade hopping and it just doesn't make sense like yeah you had apocalypse you know she's kind of like Jean gray's kind of using the phoenix force in that mm-hmm. and then you wait like 10 years and then she gets it from space and it's like like did you not watch your other x-men films and be like okay like this this could have taken place six months after apocalypse yeah yeah right like there's no need to do the decade hopping they look the same like they're not aging so it kind of is kind of ridiculous like that's a sense um and mystique's makeup like oh. talk about a downgrade like the makeup from x-men one which oh, was yeah. 20 years ago yeah. was miles better and like did she sorry are we going to spoilers yeah we're full spoilers oh, okay okay like did she just not care because she's gonna bite it like halfway through the film she's just like phoning it in like that was just the makeup like just looks so much worse than like what it used to look like. Yeah. It was such a disappointment. Like, well, I feel if like you she put it in her contract, I sit in this chair for an hour and a half and you get done when you get done. <laughs> right. Like if you're not going to want to do the makeup, just do CGI then. Yeah. CGI has come a long way. If you can make Michael Douglas look 20 in the MCU, you can make, <laughs> you know, Jennifer Lawrence look like mystique. Blue? <laughs> yeah. It's just, just blue man group. Like she looked like the fourth member of the blue man group. <laughs> Like it was so bad. Like give her a drum and bang on some paint. Um, <laughs> she had the good rest... jokes though. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, like some of the dialogue, like we talk about when she's like, it should have been called X women. Oh, and I was like, dude, like I kind of oh. get like where you're going for, but that line was just so forced. Oh. So forced, forced. But again, it comes down. It wasn't earned. Like I can understand yeah. that there's like an undertone of, you know, and I get like Jean Grey's in this film. You get storm that plays a big part in this film and that, yeah. but at that moment in time, we have no context for yes. how sure. the women, and if that's the direction they want to go, fine. I'm all yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. But there's no context for that line to be earned in the film. Like, it's not like we've spent you know uh, 25 minutes of the film showing how powerful Storm and Jean Grey are. We yeah. just leap into that, and all of a sudden, this again, asking the audience to make a big leap to say like, okay, yeah, the, the women are powerful. Like, that's fine if you yeah. want, yeah. but just show us a bit. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I think this film like tried to keep some of the X Men tropes, like the random uh, mutant when uh, Dazzler showed up. Yeah, um, they didn't have though. I don't think the Quicksilver had his like scene set to the music from the decade. I can't even remember if he did. He was, Quicksilver was absent from this film. Yeah. Like, right? I don't know why. Yeah, I think it's like, because he's too powerful, right? Like he could like go and he moves at the speed of light or whatever. So he. You know, he kind of like mutes the other X Men's powers. Like, oh, Quicksilver can move faster than you can think, and this one other X Men can make sparkles from her fingers. Like, it's hard to have those two sets of power. They're two different. Like, one's super strong, and the other one is just. Eh. But it comes down to the writer, right? They should yeah. be able to, you know, take care of that. I mean, break his legs if you have to. Take him out of commission but, for but a little they, bit but, if you have to depower him. But yeah. they wrote around him. I think superbly in the other two films he made appearances in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. and to be honest with you, you, you always have this problem with guys like Magneto, Gene Gray yeah. in this film, professor X about how to tone down their power set. Cause you know, professor X can just turn everyone off. Yeah. Right. 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 You know what I mean? And yeah. so they have to do some work, some writing work to actually make these characters believable in the setting that they're put in time and time again. The X films do have a tendency to really turn off professor X. Yeah, because he's so powerful. And same with Magneto. You know, you have to find yeah. ways to turn these characters off. Yeah. Um, now, speaking about characters in this film, what are your highlights for characters? Try to bring some positivity back to this. <laughs> um, who That's... did you enjoy this? Because to be honest with you, um, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree with this, I, I like the actor that played Scott Summers. That played. Yeah, Cyclops. I agree. I think yeah. he did really well. Storm, when she was given her moments, did all right. Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. I always have enjoyed Nightcrawler. Uh, this guy, he's not given too, too much to do in the film. Um, and I even like James McAvoy still as Professor X. And yep. I know, Troy, you may have a bit of an issue with that <laughs> because of the portrayal. Yeah. But I still like McAvoy in this role. And, of course, Michael Fassbender, who's given oh, yeah. absolutely nothing to do in yeah. this film. But he still comes forward with a reasonable Magneto overall. So, yeah. Sanjay, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, some of the highlights for characters in here? Uh, well, to me, one of the highlights was seeing the characters use their powers. You know, seeing, like, Scott Summers or Cyclops have that beam where he could shoot it in space. Um, seeing Quicksilver use his speed. Cool. Seeing Nightcrawler uh, teleport. Jean Grey kind of let loose with the Phoenix. So, I think this film, you know, more than any, maybe excluding Apocalypse, the, you, you really got to see the mutants use their powers, which was super cool. Um no Wolverine though, so that was kind of a bummer. But the characters, like the train scene when you see yes. um, Nightcrawler just let loose, and you see Magneto just crumple up the train and throw it, like that was super cool to see them kind of just let loose and not even care because they're fighting aliens, right? So the faceless alien hordes. Yes. You can always <laughs> let loose, use your powers, and the audience <laughs> won't feel bad for them. So that that's probably the highlight for me in terms of the characters. Um, Beast, I can't remember Beast. But, you know, I did like seeing him. 
Um, but he I was remember Beast because he was all over the place. With yeah. Motivations. Oh yeah, like he he was dating Mystique now. Like, yeah. was he? They've always kind always of hinted at that, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's a bit of legacy that you can buy into. Yeah. Um, but for Beast to lose kind of that analytical part of him and really mm-hmm. lean on the emotional, to yeah. me, isn't as much of the character as I would expect. Like he's another right. one that we'll talk about kind of maybe some of the lowlights in characters next after Troy's had a shot here. I'd tell you what he liked. Um, but he's <laughs> another one that brief. suffers from just like poorly written motivations. Like yeah. Yeah. he his a switch flips. I get deaths and all that. But again, yeah. it comes down to earning that emotional switch and beast Quick. mystique. You've teased it. And you get that they're the older ones that look the same yeah. age as the other ones. <laughs> yeah. And that they have a past relationship that goes back to let me to nineteen sixty something. Yeah, you know? Thirty years at that point. Can we talk about how 30. they uh, should be in their early fifties yeah, in this film? They look great. By the I way. need some mute genes. <laughs> um can we talk about how bizarre or how silly the picture of Mystique was on Beast's desktop? It looked like they just went on the internet, typed in like Jennifer Lawrence Mystique and like printed it that day. Like at least put some effort in. It looked like such a promotional photo, like just framed up. Like, oh my goodness. Is there put a some effort photo? In, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Troy, let's hear let's hear uh, some highlights on characters in this, if you have any. Yeah, I'll be quick. Um <laughs> Magneto. For for me, Magneto, Michael Fassbender yeah. always brings it. Um yeah, he, he he's solid. You know, I wish we didn't get that moment that Magneto's had from like um first class, you know, when he goes on his little like Nazi hunt, which was oh so incredible. good. He's so, oh, he's fantastic. And then, you know, day, Days of Future Past, he was great. And then you also get that extended cut with the road cut, you know, him breaking out of the prison, oh, I believe. So uh, oh, he's, he's he's just great, man. He's, yeah. Um, Apocalypse, he, he did some cool stuff with his family. You know, he got to start all over again with his family and then family was taken away from him. But here we didn't get that moment. But still, he brought it, you know, when he kind of had like his Genosha kind of like land yeah. i don't think they ever actually called that it cool. that can't remember if they did but um no they didn't yeah they didn't did they yes no. <laughs> yeah why not um <laughs> and then um the train scene he, he was wearing the train scene so yeah for me it's it's michael fassbender is the the winner for me in this one i i, I yeah. give him the oscar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the thing that bothers me though about magneto i agree with you fassbender has been great in this role from day one yeah but going back to first class especially kind of the nazi hunter Magneto. Yeah. There is so much built into that oh. that makes the motivations behind what he's doing and the mm-hmm. passion, the emotion and all that, the stakes are really high there. Apocalypse, I did have some issues with Apocalypse, you know, taking him to Auschwitz and then asking him to commit human genocide oh, in a place yeah. Yeah. where his yeah. people were under you know, in, in concentration camps and yeah. effectively being eradicated from the earth. That made no sense to me. No, no. But then here, I remember that. I That's find, one of your biggest picks, yeah. Yeah, but I finally yeah. go back to this idea that Magneto's found peace. Yeah. And now he is again asked to, you know, a call to arms, essentially. But then it comes from, again, a leap that they're asking him to make that he had such a strong relationship with Raven, with Mystique, yeah. that he's willing to give up Everything that he has earned from the U.S. government, giving them this plot of land to live on peacefully (laughs) because Jean Grey, under the influence of some cosmic power, killed Mystique. It felt like a really extremely contrived way to say, hey, we need to bring Magneto into the film right now. Let's Mm -hmm. show up, 
do something crazy, and then he'll throw away literally everything. Yeah. To crusade in the name of Mystique. It made, like, the relationship that you got in X-Men Last Stand and X-Men 2 of Mystique and and Magneto made sense. But you remember in X3 when she essentially got the, the juice pumped into her and lo- oh, he yeah. just walked away from her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're no longer one of us. Yeah. Yeah. And sends her off. Yeah. That's and because so, it wasn't Jennifer Lawrence playing her, so it was a smaller actress, well, right? But still, it's the idea that Magneto's about the bigger kind of mutant, you know, agenda. Yeah, all mm-hmm. for the sake of mutant kind. Yeah, he's thrown yeah. everything away here for revenge. You know, this isn't, you know, my my people have, have, have been put into concentration camps and genocide committed to them. This is, you know, I get a friend, you're upset, but... It just seemed like just a really poor written way to get Magneto into the film. Definitely. I agree. They need him in the film, and he does some great stuff in that train scene and all that. Yeah. But it just, to me, it just doesn't feel like it, it's really earned at all. No. Nothing um, is, though, in this film. That's the no, biggest problem. And same yeah. goes for Beast. Same motivations. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's, he's you, know, up, you know, taking up arms with Magneto. Yeah. Like he spent his whole life yeah. fighting against them. Like, yeah, and how old boy. is Magneto supposed to be? The guy looks like he's like forty-one, and he would have been born in what, like nineteen twenties at least. Yeah, twenty-nine or something. Like Maybe yeah, like thirty. So yeah, he would have been like sixty, seventy, if not older. Yeah. Um, the mutant so, genes, yeah, man. The yeah, the of, magnetism. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, the lack of, of Quicksilver here kind of bothered me. He shows up at the end. Now, what about mm-hmm. Professor X here, Troy? Oh, that wasn't even <laughs> Professor Man, those motives. Uh, mm, yeah, Professor X, I his motives, that, that just wasn't Professor X. Never. Ever, you know, uh, me and Carlos were talking about this before when we were talking about House of X and Power of, Powers of X. And what the greatest thing they did with that whole book is they've actually finally evolved Professor X. And he's actually gone away from the motives that he's had that mutant and mankind can work together and... I won't spoil it, but anyways, it's all written there and it's all earned and it makes sense. You're like, nice, finally they've done it. Here, they've done a complete 360 with the character. He's completely copped out for no reason. All these portrayals we've seen of Professor X have never been this low. I don't know why they did that. It's a really weird decision. Um, what's the, his name? The actor, uh, McAvoy. He, he's a fantastic actor. Like, it's nothing against him. It's just the way they wrote this character made no sense to me and it's... It's really odd, especially when he had his down moment already in Days of Future Past. Yeah. That was like his moment to evolve into the man he's meant to be, which is Charles Xavier. So for him to go back and not go down that rabbit hole, but go somewhere else was just very weird for me. I get what he was trying to do, but is just in bad taste for the character of Charles Xavier. They really sacrificed the character of that. Yeah, of the, of that hero, that professor to do whatever kind of story they're trying to explain. So, <laughs> you, you I know, when I was reading the uh, X-Men Onslaught, you know, yeah. there's a little bit where Jean Grey goes into Professor X, X's mind, yeah. and he, there's some dark stuff in there. Oh, you know, in that book, he that... yeah, he like likes her, liked yeah. her ever since she was like a teenager. Yeah, that's like weird. really weird, creepy stuff like that. So maybe they're trying to tap into Professor X. You know, isn't such a good guy, but they could have done it a little bit better because this one seemed like he was just like a glory hog or something. Yeah, well, it's, it's, but it's totally out of left field. Yeah, again, yeah. not earned. Like you, yeah. you've got <laughs> ten years of, of story you could have told there. Yeah, and it's just all of a sudden you see, you know, shaking hands yeah. with the president and he's got a, he's got a landline or a direct communication line to the president. That was very Batman 66. Eh? The red phone. Yeah. There you go. Out, You're this right. line is no longer in use. Yeah. <laughs> um, now what about the main character here? Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix, the Phoenix force, 
Um, what's her name? I can't remember her name. She's a fantastic Sophie, actress. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Yeah. yeah. Um, to me, the turn in this, her taking the lead role, I, I didn't mind it, to be honest with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she executed the, the script that she had and, and what she had in front of her fairly well. I think it gets choppier towards the end. I think she does better when she's struggling with the X-Men as opposed to struggling, you know, with the scrolls and that whole idea. It's the, the when she becomes consumed by the Phoenix Force, I think that's when it falls apart a bit for me. But the start stuff, I believe the relationship that she has with Scott Summers. And yeah. I believe her internal struggle and even the story they built up with her family and all that. And even the stuff with Professor X, I, I kind of buy into that about him partitioning her brain. This is something we've seen in the past in the comic books and all that mm-hmm. uh, to try to protect her. I, I get a bit more of that. They spend a lot of time with Jean Grey. Like, she's really the focal point of this film, as, you know, per the, the title, Dark Phoenix. And they they do it okay, I think, with, mm. with Jean Grey. The whole Dark Phoenix story is, you know, completely out to lunch compared yeah. to what it is. In yeah. the comic books, you know, they, they stray heavily away from the cosmic end of things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what's your guys take on, on Jean Grey here, Sophia Turner in this role? Sanjay, I toss it to you, my dude. Yeah, you know, I totally dug her. Um, I thought she did a good job kind of, um, you know, with that struggle and um, just acting as Jean Grey. Like, I totally bought her as Jean Grey. Um, I'd love to see her back in the comic book universe if she wants to have a turn as Supergirl in DC or if she wants to join Marvel. I'd totally be down for that. Uh, I think she's a fantastic, fantastic actress, and um, just some of the uh, some of my complaints about the character weren't weren't her fault. It was just you, you know the writing, like when she's battling with Mystique, and then all of a sudden all this goodwill that the X Men had built up is erased because there was like a little battle in a small neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't <laughs> like if it was something like like Civil War in the comic where like a school gets blown up or something. That I could have bought, and that would have been super like interesting, and been like, oh, she she let loose, and then all of a sudden, you know, a thousand like school kids are like, you know, she was in a center of like New York or something, and then something happened where like people got killed. Then I could totally buy it, be like, yeah, you guys are dangerous. But like this one random neighborhood where maybe like a shed fell down and like someone's, <laughs> I don't know, someone like lost their car. Like it didn't even look like that bad. I was just like, you're going to give these people just save the, the space station for crying out loud. And you're going to turn on them like that just because of that. It's like, that doesn't well, make any sense to me. And then they all of a sudden they have this army of anti mutant, you know, weaponry and all this, like this whole, right. like, and they have all these like soldiers and all this stuff that all of a sudden come out of nowhere. And yeah, it just seems again very contrived. Yeah, this, this whole thing. Now, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. What's your take on uh, Sophia Turner here as Jean Grey, Troy? Uh, she's fine. She's fine. Uh, she's never quite sold me as the character as Jean Grey. Uh, whether it's been post Dark Phoenix, like comic book wise, or mm-hmm. you know going forward, or or pre uh, Dark Phoenix. So she's great she's fantastic in game game of thrones you put her in that world mm-hmm. she kills it absolutely uh gene gray i'm not the, the biggest fan of her version but it doesn't take me out of the film but the writing no. is rather weak because i know she can deliver i know she has the acting chops it's just the material she had was kind of whack um the chemistry i mean <clears throat> i didn't really get the chemistry between her and scott but i but i how can i explain it but it, it worked for me you know i didn't yeah. look down on it it just you it just kind of half believed it yeah and i think i think it's probably more so nostalgia and comic books you know because yeah. they're basically like cory and Depenga, those two right like they're always <laughs> together unless you throw him a frost in the mix but um yeah <laughs> no she, she was okay um 
the power set of hers was was kind of cool. I liked her power set a bit more in this than uh, Last Stand. Yeah. But Last Stand was pretty gritty and visceral, you know, the way that mm-hmm. that looked. So, um, yeah, she, she's fine. She's definitely not like the negative of this film. No. I, I actually her. really liked the first Jean Grey as well. Oh, I, I love her like, name. The original but she's really good. Yeah. She's yeah. fantastic. She had that look too, like for like a mature Jean Grey. She was mm-hmm. awesome. 100%. Yeah. I yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. Now, one of the last things we're going to touch on here is the villains or the lack thereof. Mm. Um, <laughs> we had, I guess it was supposed to be the scrolls. You never really got a good look at them. No. Um, they heavily implied that they're shapeshifters. Their power set made no sense to me. It was completely ill-defined and of convenience as for the what the plot needed at that point in time. You know, we have, like you said, Sanjay, the cannon fodder army, the faceless army for them to fight at the end, which is fine. There's one of the better scenes where they're, they're fighting on this train and they're fighting this army that kind of just keeps coming. Again, why the main lady, what's her name? I can't remember. Oh, so the actress. Did, yeah, they didn't even name the villain. Oh, yeah, Jessica Chastain. Jessica yeah. Chastain. Yeah, what a waste why, of time. Why all yeah. the other ones can get their faces blown off by guns, but she can take, you know, a million rounds from Magneto. I don't know. Why can she hold the Phoenix Force? Why are they... There's one throwaway line about them wanting to take the Earth for their own because they lost theirs to the Phoenix Force. That's really the only exposition you ever get in the film about anything about the Phoenix Force. Um, To me, again, it was... Sometimes I feel the X-Men do better when they're fighting the X-Men. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and this villain made an attempt to throw something different at the X Men that wasn't mankind, that wasn't Magneto and the Brotherhood. Yeah. But this just, it, there's nothing here, no substance whatsoever. The only thing they're good for is that end battle where they're just, you know, showing off the mutant powers, like you said, Sanjay. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. Like, I don't even know Jessica Chastain's name in this film. I think it was mentioned once, and she was at like a dinner party, and then. Yeah. She so gets that wasn't captured. even the character, right? Like that was the yeah. character that scroll morphed into. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, the villains, man. That was the weak part. And hearing that this could have been in space and it could have been like cosmic, that would have been super cool. Um, I really wish like maybe some deleted scenes make their way online or something because sounds interesting. But as the, the end battle, seeing them as cannon fodder just getting destroyed, that was super cool. Yeah. 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 Now. The last question I'm going to ask you guys here before we wrap up this mini review is which was the better adaptation of Dark Phoenix? X-Men <laughs> 3, The Last Stand, or X-Men Dark Phoenix? Troy, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, if you say what was the better representation, I, I would have to give it to this film just for the fact that they dealt with the cosmic yeah. you know, aspect, whereas um, The Last Stand didn't. If you were to ask me what film I enjoyed, I'm, I'll easily say... <laughs> <laughs> uh, last stand I, I know that might wow. be a shocker but last stand I, at least i had the x-men i had beast acting like beast i had wolverine acting like wolverine i had mcavoy or not mcavoy i had uh professor x in the film um yeah and, and there were some pretty cool moments actually when i go back to that film i don't feel like that film is actually as horrible as people make it out to be but then again i know a lot of people feel like this film isn't as horrible as people make it out to be so you know film's all subjective but if you ask me which film is better i go last stand which film represents the comic book I guess of the origin of Dark Phoenix, I would have to give it to this film. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Sanjay, last thoughts on this one. X-Men yeah. three, Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Um the best representation I would say is the animated series by Mo. <laughs> oh, come on. Well <laughs> that's a bit of a cheat, but yeah, sure. a little bit of a cheat. Um but excluding in live action, I would I would actually go with this one. Um 
last down, I really didn't like how they just mowed down characters for no reason. It's like, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He loses his power. Cyclops is killed off screen. You know, that was Superman's fault. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Superman. Um, But this one here, you know, I, you know, I think it starts off strong. I really like the opening battle where they save the space station. The middle for me was kind of, I'd say boring. Um, Just not a lot there. And the end battle was super cool. So at least there are some highlights with this one. The other one, I really like the end battle scene. But that was about it. So I'm going to actually go slightly this one. Um, but it's been a long time since I've seen Last Stand. I, I really think I need to do a, a rewatch of the X-Men films. I just got to figure out what the heck order I'm going to watch them in. Because it's super confusing. <laughs> yeah. I think I think for me the thing that X3 benefits from is you have some connection to the characters and emotional stakes yeah. in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have Wolverine in there, like you said, Beast. That's probably the best representation we've ever yeah. gotten of Beast. Yeah. And yeah, Magneto, Professor X. You know this that felt like an end to a franchise, and it was right. effectively yeah. written that way. And they had maybe the opportunity to write an end to that, but you still had that that emotional stake. I don't feel much emotion in this film. I don't feel much connection to any of these characters, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where it really suffers. But when you look at yeah the comic book representation or adaptation, this does it, it does a cosmic ish take on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I say ish because it's not it's not quite there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't. To be honest with you, I when I was watching this, I, I can honestly say that I it's I was enjoying it as I watched yeah. it on the airplane. You know, mm-hmm. I watched it on my phone, and oh. so it wasn't like it was on a big screen or anything like that. <laughs> But like I, I wanted to see the end of this film. Now, whether that was because I wanted to see the end of the franchise or the end of this actual film, I wanted to see where they went. There's yeah. some there's some highlights here. Like you said, Sanjay, mm-hmm. the train scene is, is decent. Magneto's good in here. I like some of the parts with Nightcrawler, and I felt that Jean Grey was you know adequately served. But yeah. my my whole idea of, of a recommendation goes to what you said at the start, Sanjay. I didn't hate it. Yeah. You know, I expected to like viscerally hate this film. And I didn't. I didn't. And so there are some merits to it. It has a real issue, like we've kind of really laid out here, with the writing, with what it asks you to do in the film, and the leaps it asks you to make, the lack of any sort of foundation building. I really struggle with that when you look at it as, you know, as a reviewer through those goggles. But can you kick back and watch this film as someone that has enjoyed this franchise for 20 years to finish it off? Hell yeah, you can. Um, just don't expect a whole ton from it. That would be my only recommendation. <laughs> it's not the, the epic send-off the Endgame was. You know what I no, mean? No, no. Like, nowhere near that, but no. it's 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 the end of a franchise um, that's really leaving on a, I would say, a low, unfortunately. Um, it's not the worst movie ever made, uh, but it certainly doesn't stand up to, to some of the better ones and even some of the mediocre ones in the franchise. No. So, yeah, there it is. There it is, guys. I would have liked to see it end, so everything goes on, and then Professor X goes, I just got word that there's a mutant in Canada. Go see him or something. And then it ends, and then you know, then X-Men 1, that's when it starts, and so it's like a continuous loop. It, sh- it should have ended the way Apocalypse ended, with What's just, that? here's the X-Men that you've always wanted to see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys, you're not ever going to get to see this again. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the way it should have ended, just saying, like, the X-Men are here to mm-hmm. deliver. Here's their costumes. Again, why they didn't use those costumes, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but that's right. the way it should have ended. Just saying, like, here's the animated version, guys, that you're yeah. never going to get. But the X-Men are here. That's To me, that's the way they should have ended this thing. 
Um, and and they knew the end was coming at this point. Reshoot that and just dump that in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That one shot, that animated title card shot of all oh. the characters. Yeah. Um, bring sure, in, have help, Deadpool bring in show Channing up and Tatum be... as Gambit. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just put that all on the screen. Have Deadpool um, show up and be like, when's the sequel, guys? Yeah, and exactly. All, like, Something awkward. like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's end on a lighthearted note. Yeah, really, really on the nose. Um, <laughs> but anyways, guys, we've, we've run over time. As usual here, we tried to do this in a bit of shorter, and we ended up really taking a much deeper dive into Dark Phoenix. So with all that being said, if you'd like to be a part of this show, send us any of your comments or questions. You can always email us at nerdram at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. We are always roaming around there with the Twitter gang trying to find something to discuss all in a positive light. You can find everything that we do over at thenerdroom.net as well as Star Wars Commonwealth. Dot com. You know, there's some big stuff and stars coming here, so make sure to check that out along with all the other podcasts that join us in making the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. You can find, again, The Hunt over on Instagram at the NerdRM. <laughs> we love posting pictures over there about what's coming to the nerd rooms. You know, we're going we're gonna to keep rolling through that. We're really enjoying that, so go check that out and follow us over there. And last but not least, we'd like to thank our man Rob Wade and congratulate him as well he just got married this past oh, weekend nice. so congratulations big congratulations there they're off on their honeymoon so oh, emotionally sorry. 14 talk stores is shuttered for the moment as he's off enjoying life with his new wife so big congratulations to him there and you can find everything that he does including the other endorsed podcast over emotionally14.com all right gentlemen with that being said, hopefully we'll be reviewing a Star Wars trailer next week with Sanjay yes. with his fingers in his ears because he is <laughs> la, not going to be la, watching la. it. <laughs> so until then, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you guys very much for entering the Nerd Room. And like we kind of started from last week from Joker, go out there and be kind to one another. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya! This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and the Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world. 